Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian, over there to my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing pretty well today. We got, uh, we got spring training games going on. We got walk-off pitch clock violations, clock-offs, yeah. as they're calling it. <laughs> um, and, I mean, it's just, it's electric. I mean, there's nothing, I'm sorry, there's nothing cooler than a, a walk-off pitch clock violation. Yeah, you, uh, you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, it is. It is funny, and this is very. It's very early stages. I know for sure. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, we watched the minor league games last year, and it did not look like this. It literally, it literally looks like um, they're playing the game. Like, it looks like they're playing the game. Like there's a car waiting for the game to to end and yep. for it to cross the baseball field. Yep. Like it, you know, it's that's it's played at the same pace that like you know, how you jog when, like, you're at a crosswalk and there's a car that just stopped for you. Just, uh, it's everything's just at a brisk pace right now. Yeah. I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think there's going to be more pitch clock violations in spring training than during the entire regular season plus postseason. Yeah, I, I would, um, yeah, I, I would, I would, um, I would probably second that. I, yeah. I mean, like, people are getting used to it now and also it's less consequential in spring right. training to accidentally not get ready. Exactly. Yeah, for um, sure. I do think they should probably up the the timer in the ninth inning and later. I feel like that's probably something that should be done, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you know, make it twenty and twenty five seconds in the ninth and later. Right. Yeah, I guess. And relievers typically work slower. Yeah. As it is, so I guess they do need more. They do do need a little more time. But yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch for sure. But ultimately, it's. It's definitely good for everything. It's it's just been a it's been a good weekend for like all the old school people to pop off. <laughs> yep. It's you know, like, it's been it's been a Hall of Fame weekend for for baseball purists. It's like, hey, you get hey, you get what you wanted there. <laughs> yeah. You got what you wanted. Hey, this is the new baseball, I guess. I guess this is what they wanted. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. It it'll be fine. We'll be we'll we'll all be good. I think we won't notice it by June. Yeah. For being honest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, unless, unless we do, unless it's even worse, which probably yeah. won't happen, but it would. Everyone refuses to adapt. Yeah, <laughs> like people are taking automatic strikes and automatic balls out of like uh, protest. They have to make a new stat like OB like OBP minus yeah. automatic. Yeah, <laughs> like adjusted adjusted automatic on uh, base yeah. percentage. <laughs> RA nine OBP. <laughs> R yeah, A R A nine automatic runs allowed yeah. <laughs> per nine. <laughs> uh yeah, it's <laughs> could be a disaster, but yeah, probably probably not. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, baseball is being played. Um, I still say it's it's not baseball season. It's not. No, baseball it's not. Se- it's not baseball season till opening day. Correct. Um. Right now, it's it's the other seasons. It's not baseball season. 
Uh, but we are we're going to preview the AL Central today, but we're also going to get into some other topics. Uh, first topic of the day. You and I both have rants to do today. Yeah, like, we do. Unlike we actually just both scheduled that. Yeah, yeah. We do love to schedule, you know, a nice rant sometime and at a random point. And, uh, but the first topic of the day we actually have to get into, not one of our rants. It was a signing that happened yesterday. Uh, Manny Machado gets 11 years, $350 million from the Padres. Um, they are, uh, they're keeping him around for an additional, did they, did they buy out this year too? Uh, no, they did not. Okay, it starts so, next year. So an additional 11 years for Manny Machado. He basically signed, what, a 16... 16- million yeah. dollar deal. Yep. Like that, this guy, he, he won. He won, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool cheat code is start your baseball <laughs> career when you're 20, and you'll get a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> if and you... just like keep being really good, but like make sure you get the opt-out. Yes. Like if you don't get the opt-out, you kind of ruin the whole purpose of the game. Yeah, Manny uh, Machado wins. <laughs> actually, it might be... It might actually. Oh no, remember? Wait, no. I think he. I think they did uh, buy out this year. Yeah. Okay, so it was fifteen years and like four seventy. Yes. So not even. Yeah, not his. Even that you know, much. it's a it's an eleven year deal that goes from twenty twenty three to thirty three. Okay. Okay. So they just completely restructured it, and um, worth noting, uh, I think it was paid. Who was it? I forget who. I think it was like Hector Gomez or someone, uh, some reporter, um, that said. The Padres is still trying to work out an extension with Juan Soto too. Yeah, yeah. It it would be like, and there's a lot of implications with this. First of all, obviously it's you know very good for the Padres keeping, uh, maybe their best player around for, uh, an additional six years. You know, six more years than they would have had him if they, um, well probably you know, ten more years than they would have, yeah, had him if they didn't sign him because he would have opted out. But like six more years than the um, original contract. But uh, next year's for agent class is also going to be a real thin or no, an additional five years. My bad. Sorry. Sorry for that. I'm doing the math out loud here, Yeah, but yeah, an additional five years because they bought out this year, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, the, the Padres sign him, but I think it would be, it would really be a way the same way that like Steve Cohen has been kind of a wake up call for the MLB showing what owners are actually capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, think and specifically, yeah. And the Padres as well. Specifically. So with Steve Cohen doing this, but not just with the Padres spending, but if they, if they out of Tatis, Soto and Machado kept up, were able to keep all three and not trade one of them like at a deadline or in an off season, like that would be a big deal for baseball too, because like most teams, even some big market teams, are not like keeping like all their stars around. Correct. Um, I'm looking at next year's free agent class as far as bats go. Uh, yikes! <laughs> oh my goodness! The best. So I'm on to outfielders now on MLB trade rumors. The best player I've seen as far as like hitter and total player is Matt Chapman. Uh huh. Um, left fielders. I mean, it's not really Cody Bellinger. I guess if he, if for the fourth year in a row, if he you know goes <laughs> back to twenty nineteen form, uh, Harrison Bader that could be an interesting one. I, although I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees extended him. I can't wait for the MLB Network promotions next off season. Yeah, where it's like, where will Matt Chapman go? Yeah, 
Well, I mean, okay, so Joey Gallo, you know, he was already free agent the last two years, or, well, last year. Um, yeah, it, it's really just Shohei Otani and Matt Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> pitchers are decent. Um, you have, As far as pitchers, you have, like, Julio Arias, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, and yeah. then also Shohei Otani again. Yeah, you have a good class. Um, and there's always just, like, one random guy who... Javier Baez could opt out of his contract, so that could be one. <laughs> <laughs> But there, there are also just random guys who just pop off right before free agency. Who That's true. We're, we're not. We're but also, like, radar. so many guys are like in their thirties already, though. True. Like, I'm looking at the catcher market. Every single free agent catcher to be is thirty. Yeah. The, the youngest one is Jorge Alfaro and Austin Hedges. Yeah, um, I don't know. They take longer to. Josh Bell, I suppose, could pop off for the Guardians and then opt out. Reese Hoskins actually is a decent one. Yeah. He's maybe he's already thirty one. Reese Hoskins could be decent. Joey Votto's contract's gonna be ending. Yeah, it'll be I wonder a- <laughs> if he I wonder if he retires. The Padres are gonna offer him five years. I can't I cannot see Joey Votto in another uniform. That is not allowed. Yeah, it would be it would be odd. I don't even think he would. I think he'd retire before he's he goes been to around team. for so much suck. Like yeah. why would he go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he shouldn't be he shouldn't go anywhere else. It's like, dude, you've already like <laughs> wasted your entire career in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> like you did so much for that team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> why leave at age forty? Yeah, the bat the bats aren't great on the market next year. Yeah, what I we're still yikes. we're still pending some extensions going on. Yeah, like if 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 Nola and Otani get extended this spring, oh like my God. say goodbye to ARR in the winter. Yeah. We're not doing a single episode yeah. until previews. <laughs> Blake Snell just gets like <laughs> Blake Snell gets like a two hundred fifty million dollar contract because yeah. <laughs> the team is that desperate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Yeah, honestly, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, oh, Lucas Giolito's a good one, but also he He's, didn't he, do very well last year. He needs to come back. Yeah. yeah. Jack Flaherty, he needs to come back. Yeah. The, pitch, the, of, the starting of, pitching market is definitely the, the best if the, like, if, it, if we're talking market. If we were out looking this after 2019, we'd be like, whoa. Yeah. This is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bellinger, exactly. Flaherty, Giolito all yeah. in the same free agent market. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> They're gonna combine to get like a billion dollars. <laughs> we would be talking about it the same way that people were talking about, like the the Machado and oh, dude, Machado too. Yeah, it's like oh my God, Machado opts out. Machado Harper offseason. Yeah. Uh, the twenty twenty four to twenty five offseason, unironically, is like where it's at though. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, obviously a lot of the guys will probably be extended by the time that actually happens. But True. man, you always uh, face that. Juan Soto is going to be a free agent after that. Max Serger, Garrett Cole. Wait, no, wait, no. Garrett Cole can't be a free agent. That doesn't make. Oh, he's a player option. Okay, Garrett Cole is a player option. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to do that. No. Uh, Chris Sale, if he's still healthy. Paul Goldschmidt, Zach Wheeler, Jose Altuve, uh, Alex Bregman are all free agents. Yeah, outside of Bregman, it's a lot of guys in there. A lot of like really good guys who bu- who happen to be in their mid thirties at least at yeah. that point. Um, Soto, Soto, yeah, who's going to be like seventeen years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's going to be a good class. Yeah, um, going back to uh, to Soto though, and and the and the Padres here, 
Yeah, like the, you know, I think with a normal franchise who's been acting normally over the past few years, you'd be <laughs> like, yeah, well, this means, you know, Machado, them signing Machado no, means, you know, they, they're they going to let... They chose him over Soto. Yeah, they're going to happily let go of Soto, you know, you know, be be good with his time. But the, the Padres have not acted like a normal franchise over the past three years, I'd say. Which is great. Which is great. Awesome. It's very good, um, especially for the fan, fan base. Big fan of that. So, so yeah, I, I don't put a, a Soto extension off the table whatsoever. No. And what's their what's their projected payroll for this now, year? Now would be the 262 time. Two sixty two million. That's what's the luxury tax threshold? I think it's like two thirty, maybe two twenties. But Soto um, two ten. Okay, so they are over it, but who cares? I don't know if I mean to be fair, a Soto extension would not even add much. No. Right. But even um, like Soto. He, I mean, he rejected five hundred million from the Nationals. Was it five? I thought it was four hundred million. I think it was five hundred million. He rejected. Wow. Um, and that was when he was like streaking in that time frame. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if now would be the time to. Well, if from a franchise perspective, you'd want to extend Soto, but you wouldn't. If you're Soto, you don't want to get your extension now. You might want to wait till you have like a better year. Yeah. This upcoming year. Yeah, I would I would do that as well. Wait till he put up like a four four twenty five OBP. Yeah, like he had, you know, and then you know for and then it'll be your last year. Some team will. Yeah, because by Soto standards, he didn't have a great year last year, and he ran into a little bit of bad luck. And you know, this year I think he'll be benefited by the shift going away, mm-hmm. um, and he'll he'll probably just do better. He also adjusted to a new environment in San Diego in the middle of last year. Yeah. So, you know, I would expect better things, but also his defense went w- went from like a positive to a bad negative. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But I imagine the Padres are trying to get him now because he's at maybe the lowest value he's been at in a in a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like since his rookie year. Um, and so you yeah. could even argue that he was at a higher value then. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think Soto had like a three win season or something like that according to F4. So I imagine they're talking, but Soto probably wants to like wait around a little bit, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. But yeah, Machado, <clears throat> Machado, I mean, we'll get into the uh, MLB Top 100, but Machado's ranked number five in there. Yeah. I don't think that's uh, very, un- I don't think that's unfair to him. I think that works works out. He's around a top five player at least. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely good. top 10. Definitely a top 10. And yeah, one of the best third basemen in baseball for sure. Um, arguably the best. MLB Network had him as the best. Um, but yeah, um, you know, just overall good. What, what, what were your thoughts on the Machado deal? The Machado deal was great. It was so cool because, I mean, you know, the U Darvish contract got signed, and a lot of people were saying, like, why are they prioritizing Darvish over Machado? Of course, not realizing that they can do both because they don't care. Yeah, well, <laughs> they signed Bogarts, and it's like, oh, well, they yeah. have their left side of the infield for yeah. the future. Yep. <laughs> the Padres are going to ha- try to have, like, 11 guys in the field mm-hmm. <laughs> in a couple years. I, like, the the way this roster is uh, aligning is absolutely nuts. I'm, I imagine they might have to put Tatis in the outfield again. They uh, No, they actually are probably going to have to, or, yeah. like, second base or something. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know if they... I know they've discuss- there's been discussion about like a Ha Song Kim trade. Like he's also very valuable. It is very funny that they have their 
middle of the infield locked up, or the left side of the infield locked up, and Fernando Tatis is not a part of it, who yeah. is also locked up. Yes. Like, he might not play shortstop again for the rest of his career. Oh, man. What, yeah. a, what a thought. Yeah, and you still have Cronenworth, who's great. Or, yep. You know, he's, he's like a f- consistent four-win player over the last two years. Um, you have Hassan Kim, who had, th- like, three Excellent wins. defense. Excellent defense and, like, average offense last year, which is a good recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I imagine, cr- yeah, I guess Cronenworth is going to play first now. That's what they have it as. And they have, yeah, Kim at second. Mm-hmm. Uh, outfield left to right, Soto, Grisham, Matt Carpenter. Yeah. Which, I mean, once Tatis comes back, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, what do they, I don't know what they do. I guess they probably do put Tatis in the outfield in that spot, right? Because, um, like, you don't want to take Kim's defense away. Yeah. you got to have Cronenworth at first because that's probably the best option you have. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to – they're probably going to have to put Tatis in the outfield, which is very funny. Uh, DH, they have Nelson Cruz. Maybe they do that as well. I don't know. I think, yeah, it's, at some point it, it'll probably be, like, a rotating cast at DH between, like, Bogarts, Machado, like – Trying to give a, give a guy a half day off. Yeah, it'll probably just be that. I, like that would probably be good, especially Bogarts. Like I know he had defensive improvement last year, but um, I could see him becoming a DH later on. Yeah, in his career, um, definitely before Soto Machado or Tatis. Yeah, yeah. It it's a it's a fun team they have in uh, in San Diego, and it's going to continue to be that way. They've now signed. Three guys in their forties, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Very but it's fun. it's better than not signing those guys. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, people. It's funny that we keep being like, "Oh, they picked that guy over that guy." Oh no, they actually had both. Well, yeah. they picked those two over that guy. Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> and now the like the final one is Soto. Yep, that's yeah, final boss. It's <laughs> gonna be thought that, and we knew that was gonna be the hardest one. I mean, he was gonna ask for the most money, you know. He literally rejected five hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, from from the Nationals. Maybe just the Nationals were that unattractive to him. To be fair, and I mean, we'll, what yeah. I- what does he still have to do in Washington? He won a World Series there. Yeah, the team is without a future. Yep. Yeah. Why Why stay there? Yeah, it's like, oh, I could be the highest pay- paid player right next to Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. So. So yeah, the Padres are are keeping keeping their guys, which as we mentioned with the Darvish thing, good because also they don't really have a farm system to um, replace anybody with. So if the if like a Darvish or a Machado did leave, um, it wouldn't be good news because there's not really a guy that they can have come up and take his space for either of those scenarios. So I, it makes a little more sense why they're signing. Three guys in their 40s uh, with Bogarts, Darvish, and Machado. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, any anything more on the deal before we uh, get into uh, our rants? <laughs> no, I think I got nothing else. So, um, so yeah, I figured I'd talk a little bit, and, and obviously you're uh, welcome to jump in here as well. I, I, would, I would like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking about the MLB Top 100. And I feel like <clears throat> I've always sort of wanted to talk about this on the show, but we just never have have really gotten to it because it always comes out like during previews. So yeah, we're gonna so we're gonna roast it. Yeah, so we'll we'll roast it a little bit. And yeah. Now I will say, 
a lot of it, like most of it, I don't really have any complaints about, you know, maybe I'd restructure a couple things, but there are some, some, some bad, some, some bad, you know, just underrated, overrated things, uh, with some players. And, you know, we, we like to talk about where players rank because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we like to go over where we think, to, you know, importance for guys on a certain team or like where they rank among the, among the best. Um, <clears throat> and some of them, I, some of them, I don't really have like too much of a grip. I just have question marks. So the, I, I just went like down the list from like one through a hundred. Um, Mike Trout, number three, what, like, uh, I, I get it. I do get it. I like, it's, I mean, given the, well, first of all, Shohei Otani is very hard to make an argument against and Aaron judge, given the season that he just had. And also like the, you know, the fact that Mike Trout has not been able to stay on the field for two seasons now, I kind of get it. And I'm not going to, Oh, I was saying, I get it. Like read too much into it. I get it. I get him being that high. Oh, okay. Like, I, I don't know. If, like, I don't know if I would have put him number three. Wow. You would have put him further back. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, he still like, had a 9.99 OPS last year, did he not? He did, but he played 119 games. Um, he, and he he almost and he, he has, was he had 499 plate appearances. Like he almost qualified. Yeah, and a lot of these guys that look on like a two two year scale too. So he's played like less the less than half the games of the last two years. Um, and his defense, like his defense is average. His base running is a little above average and I think there's some guys that have really like made their mark um over the past you know over the past couple of years where Trout you know Trout is obviously I mean he's one of the best hitters in the game still and I think he's probably a top 5 player um but yeah I don't know it, it, it a lot of it is subjective though and you know in terms of him hitting He's, I'd probably still say he's the best, like consistently. He's yeah. st- still the best hitter in the game. Um, but yeah, he has uh, has a little bit of injury trouble. Um, Mookie Betts, number four. This kind of surprised me. Like, yeah, that's fair. Um, he's 14th in position player F4 over the last two years. So yeah, I didn't, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he was, t- he was uh, put top five. One, someone I would have put over Mookie Betts. <laughs> Was Jose, Jose Ramirez? Jose Ramirez. Yeah, that's the guy. I should have been number four. Yeah, he's uh, Ramirez was put number eight, which yeah, I'm glad he's getting top ten recognition. But he did. That's he like the bare even, minimum. He deserves <laughs> even more. He's second in position player F four since the start of 2020. Uh, so that's two in 2.37 seasons where he's second in position player F four, and he's third since the start of 2016. So he's been doing it for a long, long time. Um, I might have had him ahead of Trout. I might have had him number three. I wouldn't even have, like, blamed you that much. Like, he, he's the only guy to have um, have a 2020 season <clears throat> in every full year since 2018. That's, you know, that's, that's four insane. seasons. with a And that included a 2019 down year. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, when everyone was having seasons out of their minds, Jose Ramirez was... Not doing as well, but still twenty twenty. Yeah, he has a he has a top five. I think a top five BSR over the last two years. You know, that's that's a base running statistic. Uh, he has amazing, you know, amazing amazing uh, metrics on his defense. You know, a great defensive third baseman, and along with that, you know, like forty percent above average at the bat. Uh, usually, I th- I should check out the exact numbers of uh, 
what he's been able to do at the plate, but it's, you know, he's just consistently, he's been consistently amazing and he just doesn't get recognized enough for it. Like Mm -hmm. he just gets kind of the bare minimum. Like the last, since the start of 2020, um, his 162 game average is a 148 OPS plus, uh, 25 stolen bases, 36 home runs. And then along with that, I mean, just really, really good defense. And there's just got, there's just not, there's not seven players better than him. I'm sorry. Just not happening. Um, so yeah, that was a gripe. And, uh, Trey Turner, number 11, he should definitely be top 10. And I think he should be top five. Wow. Uh, he's second in position player F4 over the last two years and the last four years. Um, he's been, uh, how many players do you have, by the way, that are like in this? I have a good amount of players. I can skip some. Okay. But <clears throat> Trey Turner should have been uh, top five, I'd say, because he's been amazing offensively, both at the plate and uh, with and with uh, on the bases. Um, I think my biggest gripes <laughs> happened more toward the end. Yeah, there was one that really stuck out to me. There were there were a couple. What I'll say first of all is uh, Jeremy Pena at, n- at number sixty four is a bit high. Yeah, that's yes, I agree. <laughs> he he had a one hundred one OPS plus last year. Mm-hmm. Like I, I get he had a great Gold Glove defense he and a great, great po- postseason. Had a great postseason, <clears throat> but we can chill on Jeremy Pena a little bit. It's part of the winning winning uh, shortstop on a winning team. Yep. Uh, stereotype that I hate. Um. But uh, Sean Murphy at number eighty-four was very low to me. Uh, he's one of the best one of the best catchers in the game. He's thirtieth in position player F four in the last two years, and his career F four per six hundred fifty plate appearances is five point five. Um, so he's, I mean, he's definitely way above eighty-four. He should be a top fifty player. Um, and Logan Webb at number ninety-seven is. Uh, is extremely low. Uh, since coming back from injury, Logan Webb, uh, since coming back from injury in 2021, Logan Webb has a 2.81 ERA and a 2.83 FIP in 291 and two thirds innings pitched. And since coming back from that injury, he is third in innings, seventh in F4, sixth in ERA and fifth in FIP among qualifiers. And they had Reese Hoskins ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> This guy, Reese Hoskins, is I not better even, than Logan. I don't Webb. even know if I'd put Reese Hoskins in the top 100. I don't. I don't think so either. If yeah. he's there, he's like between 100 and 90. Yeah, he had that. He had that. He had bat the bat spike. spike though. He had that bat spike, but <laughs> they, he's they not inflated bad. so much of this on postseason. <laughs> Unlike this postseason. Yeah. Yeah, like he's not Reese Hoskins. He's a good hitter, but he's not good, better than Logan Webb. And Logan Webb. I could I would argue top fifty, but I would have been fine if like top sixty or seventy. But ninety seven is is far too low for for Logan Webb because it's like in the nineties there it's a lot of like moderately good players and Webb is is a lot better than moderately good. Um, but yeah, who who stuck out to you? Uh, Aaron Nola at ninety one. I think he was seventy nine. Was he seventy nine? For yeah. some reason, I thought it was, either way, seventy nine is still not good. Aaron like Aaron Nola is so much better than where they put him. Uh, he led the majors in F four from July uh, through the end of last season. I'm pretty sure he just led not in general, but I think he had the second highest F four 
No, he had the highest F4 in baseball among pitchers last year. He had the best, he had the second or third or first, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out, where he wasn't FIP. He had a 2.58 FIP last year, a 3.25 ERA because the Phillies defense hates him. Yeah. Like, we've established that so many times on this show. He had a 6.3 F4. Uh, and I get if F4 is not the best thing you want to use for pitchers. Sometimes B War is better, sometimes just flat out ERA. Like, there's nothing that suggests that there are 78 players and however many pitchers are better than Aaron Nola. That was outrageous. Yeah, they had uh, Brandon Woodruff ahead of him. Um, I would put Nola above Woodruff. They put Wilson Contreras ahead of him. That's not even <laughs> a discussion. <laughs> um, who else? Mm. Yeah, they put Jeremy Pena ahead of him. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know. That one was crazy to me. Yeah, so the, it's, I thought it was 91. It turns out it was 79. If I you still look, think 79 was outrageous. If you look just at ERA, it makes sense to... Um, if you look just at ERA, it kind of makes sense to put Nola at 79, which maybe that's what they were doing. But that's that doesn't tell the whole story, yeah. specifically with Aaron Nola. Like, FIP and expected ERA are they both They put Cedric like, Mullins ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> they put Anthony Rizzo ahead of him. Yes, true. That's yeah. crazy. That's actually nuts. It's 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 not great. But yeah, I, it was I wonder how they went about choosing this list. I don't think it was like the shredder or anything. I think I don't even know. I don't know. And I don't know if I also don't know if they're projecting it for 2023 or basing it off of like where these players are at like right now. It does say top 100 players right now. I think it's heading into 2023, but still, there's no reason. Regardless of what you're looking at, there's no reason to believe Aaron Nola is the 79th best player in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just looking at strikeouts and walks and things of that nature, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 uh, it's not great. Um, (laughs) not a great, uh, evaluation there. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, the, MLB Network, I, I knew I wanted to sort of delve into this after I saw 100 through 90 and I saw, like, Jazz Chisholm ahead of Logan Webb <laughs> and Reese Hoskins ahead of Logan Webb. Like, when when Logan Webb was revealed on the first day, like, <laughs> after what he's been able to do the past couple of years, I was like, okay. <laughs> Here I, we go, baby. I need to I need to talk about this. So, um, so yeah, they do it every year. Um you know, obviously there's going to be some flops, but they, they mostly had it. They had the top two correct, I will say that. You know, yep. Otani, Judge, in the right order. They're the best two players right now. But, yeah, after that, <clears throat> there were a couple question marks. All right. Um, so your your, uh, <laughs> your rant. So this happened over the weekend. There was an article published in on Cincinnati.com by a journalist named Jason Williams, I believe it was. Uh, the headline on Twitter, Tom Brenneman has made amends. He's apologized profusely. He's a changed man. He's a good man. Who's willing to give him a shot? Many schools need upgrade. Need to upgrade at ESPN Plus play-by-play. Perfect platform to get Tom Brenneman back calling games. Now, I just want to be clear. I don't really care if Tom Brenneman has a job or not. But why are we campaigning for this guy? Like, let's let's remember, Chris why Tom Brenneman is in this position in the first place. Tom Brenneman said a word on air that makes a very, very short list of words that you cannot say. Not just on air, but period. Yeah. Like, he, like if there was a list of, like... I mean, it makes a very short list of words you can't say. Yeah. And 
if you're willing to say that word in a professional workplace setting while you're wearing a microphone, like even if even if you think it's off, if you are wearing a microphone, there is always the risk that it's on. Yeah. Like I get like I do broadcasting at my school and I get trained to to understand that. You're if like if you're in a professional workplace setting wearing a microphone and you have no problem throwing that word around like it's like the, in the context that he did. I'm sorry, but I don't believe that it was a one-time mistake accident that you, that won't right. ever happen again. It just it just fluttered. Like, out are you right telling? Yeah, are you break. are you telling me that there's that word that you never say, but you did say it in that setting? I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah, <clears throat> and also, like, even if, <clears throat> even in a scenario where, like, okay, maybe, <clears throat> maybe if you're not offend, not offended by it, you at least have to know, like, this is this is an expectation in a professional world that like, if this thing happens, you don't get to come, you know, you don't get to, uh, you know, keep your job or do that. But also there's, there's a lot of things with this. It's, it's also that it's, it's Tom Brenneman. It's not, it's not like, it's not Vin Scully. It's not Don Orsillo. It's not people that people get really excited to listen to this particular person. It's Tom Brenneman. I don't know. He's good. Like professionally, like he sounds like a professional. However, like I don't know, it's not someone anyone really gets excited about. But I just like I can't get over the headline for like we're supposed to feel bad for this guy. Like right. that's that's the way it's it's you know put together. It's like he's a changed man, but like he he said sorry. Like so many times he said sorry. Mm-hmm. Like you got to like it, it it sounded like we were supposed to feel bad for him and I just can't get behind that. Um and also let's not forget Tom Brenneman is the son of Marty Brenneman, who spent 46 years in the Reds booth. Let's not act like we don't know how Tom Brenneman got his job. Like, right. maybe he went to journalism school and did broadcasting and whatever, but let's be honest, we know why he got the job. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but we know why he got it. Yeah. Right? Like, there are people that probably wanted that job that didn't get it because they were not Marty Brenneman's son. Yeah. So, Tom Brenneman had just about the easiest path to the broadcast booth that you can imagine. Like, I'm not saying he never had to put in work, but he had a spot, you know, because of his dad. And he blew it. Right. <laughs> like, he had the easiest path. Chris, you and I are entering the professional workplace next year. And we've put together a portfolio over the last four years that we've, you know, worked our asses off doing. And we know that we're not guaranteed anything. Like, we're, you know, I think that's something that we're aware with. It's scary, but yeah. that's part of that's part of life. Tom Brenneman was just given that seat in the right. booth, and he blew it. Yeah, and we're supposed to feel bad for him because he, but because he apologized and he's he changed, and no one's willing to give him a chance, because like it, another thing, it, like it just comes off like he's entitled to a job, yeah, and it just doesn't make any sense because there are so many young broadcasters that have that you know deserve a chance too that probably have not said homophobic slurs on air or even in general. Yeah, and I I'd be much more sympathetic if it was like, you know, a a 24-year-old guy who like hasn't made hasn't made a name for himself and hasn't made really any money in the profession yet and, you know, obviously made a mistake and would have to I'd feel more sympathetic for that guy who like hasn't actually made any money off of broadcasting yet. Whereas like Tom Brenneman's fine. Yeah. Like just yeah. in in life, he's gonna be fine. <laughs> like it's he'll be he'll be all right. And if I mean, he like, can give better chances g- to better. Going back to the you know 
giving a younger broadcaster a chance. Look at a guy like Joe Davis. Like yeah. Joe Davis is in his mid thirties. He's calling the World Series. He's calling the Championship Series in either league, depending on the year. He's broadcasting the Dodgers. He took Vince Scully's seat after he retired, and he's doing amazing. And people love Joe Davis. He's great. Like there are two types of baseball fans during the World Series: people that like Joe Davis and people that miss Joe Buck. There's nobody that doesn't like Joe Davis. They yep. just prefer Joe Buck. Yeah. Right. True. Yeah. Very true. We don't. We don't need to act like we need to give these like computer generated AI broadcasters jobs after they've already messed up like Tom right. Brenneman. And by the way, let's talk about Marty Brenneman for a second because he wasn't exactly the the nicest guy ever. Uh, he on several instances talked about Joey Votto in the most negative light ever. And I mean, personally, if you have beef with Joey Votto, then I have beef with you because that's that can't happen. Uh, in 2015, Marty Brenneman said that Joey Votto should not be trying to lead the league in on-base percentage. Like, shame on this guy for trying to get on base safely and get out at the lowest rate. Like, this this idiot who we're paying money to is trying to be really good. Yeah. Like, this this guy. Um, in 2013, he complained that Votto was uh, not doing enough to live up to his contract because he was only on pace for 80 RBI. He was slashing 300, 400, 500 in that time, and it was June. Like, he had already played enough games to where it mattered, and Marty Brenneman said... You know, you're not doing enough because you're not driving guys in. And he was hitting extremely well. He was hitting at MVP type level. Yeah. And it's like, let me guess, man. Like, let's look at who's who's batting above him in the order there. Because we all know that RBI is a metric of opportunity. Right. Like you're only gonna drive in runs if you have more chances to drive in runs. And Joey Votto did not have chances to drive in runs. That's yeah. just how it is. The Reds uh, had a 98 OPS plus that season. Yeah, and the leader in in uh, RBI last year, Pete Alonso, had the most played appearances with runners in the scoring position. Yeah, and so not only that, but like going back to Tom Brenneman for a second, like like you mentioned, no one's excited to watch Tom Brenneman. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're not, and that's the case with most broadcasters. Like you know, how many like if I if I asked you to name every play by play broadcaster for major league baseball teams, you could probably get what like ten of them, maybe fifteen. Yeah, not even. <laughs> and that's not a disrespect to anyone that we can't name. It's just like these are the guys that we know and love. Right. Right? Like Dave Sims is awesome. He mm. is phenomenal. Jason Benetti is awesome. Don Orsillo is awesome. And you know what? All three of those guys are awesome in their own way. Like, they're so unique to one another, but they're still really great. Like, Jason Benetti, Benetti will teach you stuff, and that's not even the play-by-play guy's job. Dave Sims, you can hear the passion in his voice when he calls Mariners games. Like, he's a fan. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell he wants the. And I, I think, you know, obviously as a play-by-play broadcaster, you're taught to be neutral. But, like, you're on your own team's network. Like, it's okay. I think it's okay to be a fan because most people watching are fans. Dave Sims is a fan, and he's awesome at what he does. Don Orsillo, he's a personality. He's a guy that you can get to know through the booth. Like, all this is to say, there are so many ways to be a good broadcaster, and there are also so many ways to just be a broadcaster. Yeah. Like, why are we, why are we pleading to give broadcasters a chance when we could give good broadcasters a chance? Right, and, and the th- a lot of it, uh, part of that article was like, you see it with uh, you know these these uh, college play by play guys, like give them time to develop. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't <laughs> seriously. 
like obviously they're you know they're they're growing and learning and getting better as they go along. Don't just halt that. Hey, dude, it's watching. It's like watching a D three college baseball team and be like, man, some of the guy the guys I've seen here, they're not good. We need some D D one guys on this team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's what we're talking about there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some exa- examples of players I could throw out, but I don't <laughs> want to get into that. <laughs> of, of like players that could come back from the MLB after being banished. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Let's get let's get them onto Springfield College. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, no, I I know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It that's a weird article, especially for someone who was just not really that ex- like not very unique to listen to. I was just like, how many? What percent of baseball fans could have named the Reds play-by-play broadcaster before that day? Right. I'm saying less than one percent. Yeah. Especially of non-Reds fans. Reds fans probably inflated by a lot. But yeah. If we're asking non-Reds fans, I think it's a less than 1%. Probably, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's weird. So anyway, that's my rant. I don't understand yeah. why we're campaigning for Tom Brenneman to have a job. And we're acting like it's a travesty that he doesn't have a job. And like, right. if he gets a job, then he gets a job, whatever. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't like a legendary broadcaster. He was just He was the a son guy. of a legendary broadcaster. <laughs> He was just a guy who was like good at the professional aspect of of broadcasting. Yeah, I mean he <laughs> he was able to get that uh, that promo out after the <laughs> yeah after the, after the slur Reds yeah. Live the pregame show presented yeah. by Ray St Clair <laughs> Roofing. <laughs> if you want to get me to laugh, just randomly say Reds Live the pregame show presented by Ray St Clair Roofing. <laughs> I'll know. I'll know. I'll know. Yeah. I'll make sure I. Chris know. and I. Chris and I used to be at college parties, and like we would look at each other from across the room and start saying the uh, the call. The and there's a drive to deep left field by Castellanos, and that'll be a home run, and that'll make it a four nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it'll be for the Reds. I don't know if it'll be for my bosses here at Fox. I want to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck. Like we would go through the whole thing. I don't know if you've seen, but there's a sporkle quiz where it's just every word. Yep, individually. Me, (laughs) which is good. Uh, He has given us a lot of positive. (laughs) He's given us some content, no doubt. (laughs) But you know what? That's where it stops. That's where, yeah. We'll stop. He's never sequel. The sequel will never be funnier than the original. That moment will never happen again. I hope not. Otherwise, (laughs) that would be really bad. (laughs) Um, Imagine they give him a job again. He's like, guys. Yeah, I have not changed. He's just. The the Brockmeyer guy, um, yeah, that was a show. <laughs> someone, someone, uh, I don't know why I didn't see this coming, but someone quote tweeted: "Tom Brenneman has made amends. He's apologized profusely. He's a changed man." As there's a drive into deep left field. Beautiful. Yeah, that's his most famous call. Yeah, so yeah, so it's an all timer. <laughs> really, that's what you need to know. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like Vince, Vince Scully had in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. Yeah. Uh, Jack Joe Buck, Buck had, you know, it hasn't happened in eighty six years or ninety five years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, back to Folk, he has it. Yeah, that's what Yonder I meant to say. to first, the Boston Red Sox are. Yeah. Brenneman has. <laughs> I've pride myself as a man of faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During it's also just like the fact that it was during the pandemic season made it so much funnier. <laughs> it really did. Just Castellanos <laughs> hammering a ball. Into there's dead it. silence. You don't hear fan sounds. 
Castellanos hitting a ball into nobody. <laughs> into the no judgment zone. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was great. Yeah, dude. The fact that there wasn't fan sounds and it was just dead silence on the broadcast <laughs> made it so much funnier. <laughs> yeah, because they yeah because they were the away team. Mm-hmm. They they couldn't have pumped <laughs> the noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a great moment. Um, truly an all timer. Truly not. Truly one of the moments of all time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. We have some previews to get into. Yeah, we do. Usually, you know, at this point in the season, usually it's just previews. So we like to spice it up with some other segments uh, to talk about. And uh, it did help that the that Manny Machado got extended. Hopefully, we'll be talking about some more extensions, or not. Hopefully, the, hopefully, no one else gets extended and they all sign with the Red Sox uh, <laughs> yeah. in next off season. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> But because yeah, the Red Sox has extended their guy that they needed to extend. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the AL Central we are about to preview. Um. It's it's in our it's in it's it was the next next on the random randomizer list that yes, we created. Um. So yeah, we'll start off with the Kansas City Royals, who went 65 and 97 last year and finished last in the AL Central. They lost Michael Taylor, Adalberto Mondesi, Wyatt Mills, and Luke Weaver. They added Jordan Lyles, Ryan Yarbrough, Johan Camargo, Aroldis Chapman, and Josh Taylor. Um, who do you have uh, to watch on the Kansas City Royals? My player to watch is everyone's player to watch. It's America's player to watch. I'm talking about Vinny Pasquantino. Yeah. Uh, he was one of eight hitters last year with more than 250 plate appearances to record more walks than strikeouts. He had an 11.7% walk rate and 11.4% strikeout rate. Um, he was shifted against 93% of his plate appearances last year, and his Woba without the shift was 60 points higher than his Woba with the shift. And I know that it is a small sample size. We're only accrediting for 7% of his at-bats, but that's encouraging, especially with the shift ban coming this year. Um, he had a run value per 100 of 2 on four different pitches last year with 10 plate appearances. Uh, 2.9 on the sli- on slider, 2.0 on curveball, 8.6 on cutter uh, with about like 18 plate appearances, and 2.5 on splitter. Uh, so he hit several pitches very well over the course of last year. Uh, he also had a whiff rate of 15.4%. The league average was 24.7%. He had a chase contact rate of 70.5%. The league average was 58.3%. His zone contact rate was 90.4%. The league average was 82%. And he also posted a hard hit rate of 47.9% and an average exit velocity of 91.2 miles per hour. He was one of six players in 2022 with at least 250 plate appearances to have both a zone contact rate and an average exit velocity in the 90s. The other five were Mookie Betts, Yandy Diaz, Alejandro Kirk, Albert Pujols, and Key Brian Hayes. And Vinny Pasquantino was among that list as well. Yeah, Pasquantino is a true anomaly. And, yeah. you know, I, I really hope <clears throat> he can keep doing this, even though I understand it might not be possible to keep doing this. <laughs> but, like, his ability to make contact and have it be super hard contact as well mm-hmm. um it's like you just don't see that <laughs> really from anybody like his no. contact rate is so high and his a- average exit velocity is high and he hits the ball in the right direction too it's pretty unbelievable and and yeah like uh he's it, it's it's a 
it's crazy that out of all the rookies last year between Witt, uh, Melendez, Prado, and him, like he was the guy that was least looked at, and he ended up being <laughs> the best out of that group, which is a really good sign for the Royals. If like you know a guy that was kind of unknown ended up really breaking out because you know guys like Witt, Melendez, and Prado are also due to break out at some point. Yeah, it just hasn't happened yet. Um, so yeah, as I preface with the Royals, they have a lot of young power um, in the MLB, you know, at the major league level already with Pascantino, as you just mentioned, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, Nick Prado and, and uh, MJ Melendez, and also you know Brady Singer's been there for a couple of years, but um, you know he's also on the younger side as a great pitcher. So I'm not talking about any of them. I'm talking about a guy who I don't have a crazy amount of analysis on, but he kind of flies under the radar. Um, for the Royals, he might be on the older side, but he's only heading into his age 27 season. I'm talking about Edward Olivares. I think he's like projected fifth or sixth in their lineup. Yes, he is. Uh, he hit 286 with a 743 OPS last year, uh, 110 OPS plus in 174 uh, plate appearances. I think I got a spam call coming in. Nice. I don't think I'm expecting that call. Um, Edward Olivares also had a 38.9% hard hit rate and a 28.7% line drive rate and also a 288 expected batting average. So he was actually expected to to hit better than he uh, ended up doing. Um, And among uh, hitters with 100-plus batted balls, his hard hit rate was in the top 45%. Line drive rate was in the top 6%, and expected batting average was in the top 4%. And uh, Edward Olivares, also, if you must know, had the same exact expected batting average as batting champion Luis Arise. So uh, he's, uh, you know, he he gets on base via the hit a lot. He doesn't have a crazy amount of power, but, you know, someone to look out for among all the uh, young star power with Brady Singer, Vinny Pascantino, Bobby Witt Jr., MJ Melendez and Nick Prado. Uh, he's he's also a guy to look at to maybe contribute to the Royals. Um, all right, question time. All right, my question is, uh, it revolves around another person on the quote-unquote older side. Uh, over, under, 300 OBP for Salvador Perez. <laughs> uh, I know he was at, uh, I think... 301 three, last he was year. At, and he was or at, no, maybe that's what his projections are this year, sorry. I think he was at 315 in 2021. Mm-hmm. which was the best catcher season ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that in jest. Uh, last year, I think he was probably in the 280s. Um, Salvador Perez was. I'm going to be nice and and, wow. and say he, he hits the over. <laughs> I I want to see what, his, what he was at last year. I think he was in the 280s, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken. Just want to double check. Because I think, I think I'll... I'll say he gets above, because yeah, maybe he'll hit like yeah. He was two ninety two last year. Okay, on base he's going into wise. what his age thirty three season. Yeah, he's a lot younger than I thought. Yep. He, yeah, he just came up really early, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be nice. You know, he'll get above. He'll get above three hundred. I'd say. Um. Yeah, my question: uh, Could you know the candidates involve the player you just asked? But very very simple because I think there's a lot of interesting candidates for a variety of reasons who will lead the team in home runs okay who will lead the team in home runs so i mean 
wits. I don't know how much his power has really developed or if how much he's supposed to he, have. I think he had 20 homers um, last year. Yeah, Paso, Pasquantino. MJ had a decent number of them last year. I think he was, was kind of just all he did. Almost had 20. Yeah. He had like 18 or so. Um, MJ had a lot in the minors too. I mean, you know what? I'm going to say MJ Melendez. Nice. The bold pick, but nice. I'm going to go with him. Yep. <clears throat> so you have MJ Melendez as, as the Royals' home run leader for 2023. You said do. Uh, so now we move on to the Detroit Tigers, um, who were a game better than the Royals. They went 66 and 96, finished fourth in the AL Central. They lost Gregory Soto, Andrew Chafin, Joe Jimenez, uh, Jamer Condelario, Willie Castro, and Harold Castro, and they added. Matt Vierling, Matthew Boyd, Michael Lorenzen, Matt Whistler, Cesar Hernandez, and Nick Matone. Um, Maton. Nick Maton. Yeah. Was it Phil Matone? Phil, uh, I think it's Maton for both. Phil Maton. Yeah. Damn. Um, so, yeah, I'll start with my Tigers player to watch. Uh, my Tigers player to watch is Matt Vierling, who they acquired. He's a center fielder heading into his age 26 season. And he was acquired in the Gregory Soto deal. Um, he hit 246 with a 648 OPS last year, which isn't great, but he got very unlucky. Out of 224 hitters with 250 plus batted balls last year, he had the fifth unluckiest difference in batting average and expected batting average, and the third unluckiest difference in WOBA and expected WOBA. Um, just in terms of quality of contact last year, his average exit velocity and hard hit rate were 86th and 85th percentile, respectively, and his expected batting average was in the 93rd percentile. Also, his whiff rate was in the 80th percentile, and his strikeout minus walk rate uh, was better than average for a hitter. And along with that, out of 224 hitters last year, his line drive rate was 15th highest. He was top 7% in terms of hitting line drives, which is probably why his expected batting average was uh, was so high. It was, you know, his expected batting average was also top 7%. And uh, Matt Vierling is also really fast. He hasn't really figured out a way to get a ton of stolen bases yet, but his sprint speed is in the 97th percentile, so that's something to look out for, uh, both on, you know, in the field, on the bases, and, and you know, when he's... Uh, after he hits the ball, see how how many bases he can get. So, Matt Vierling, I think you know, potentially he could win the the Tigers the the Gregory Soto trade. Uh, we'll see about it. Who is your Tigers player to watch? My Tiger to watch is not projected to be on the opening day roster, um, which is interesting. But I'm talking about Joey Wentz, mm. who is a left-handed pitcher. Joey Wentz threw his fastball 55.2 percent of the time last year. Opponents hit 209 against it with a 343 slugging. He threw his cutter 21.8% of the time last year. Opponents hit 154 against it, but with a 423 slugging. So none of that sounds too outrageous until you get a little deeper. The cutter outperformed the fastball in expected batting average. The cutter had an expected batting average of 173, the fastball of 215. In X slugging, 255 to 370. In X woba, 176 to 334 in average exit velocity 888 to 91 miles per hour in whiff rate 38.9 percent to 14.1 percent and in put away percentage 39 percent to 12 percent can you give me one reason 
why Joey Wentz is throwing his fastball 55% of the time and his cutter 21% of the time. One of them is significantly better than the other. In fact, you can easily make the case that his fastball is his worst pitch, and he throws it over half the time. He has fastball velocity in the lowest 10 percentile. There is no reason to believe this guy should be throwing his fastball at that rate. Uh, among the 129 pitchers to have at least 25 plate appearances and on their cutter, Wentz ranked 6th in batting average, 7th in WOBA, 5th in expected batting average, 7th in expected slugging, 2nd in ex-WOBA, 5th in whiff percentage, and 1st in put-away percentage. Joey Wentz should be throwing his cutter more. He would be a much better pitcher if he did. The Tigers need to make that change. Yeah, that would be that would be solid. Acquired in the Shane Green trade, by the way. Um, I remember keeping track of that because I, I was worried that uh, teams were going to give up a big prospect for Shane Green. <laughs> he had like Shane Green had like a low one ZRA, but like a four FIP. <laughs> yeah, and I was worried teams were going to get fooled, but no. Uh, but yeah, Joey Wentz, someone to look out for. Very interesting analysis. Uh, I. I don't uh, typically I don't dive that deep on mm-hmm. on, a, on a guy like Joey Wentz, but yeah, it's that's pretty crazy to think about. How many innings did he get with the Tigers last year? Like, not that many. Um, probably like sixty or so. Yeah, maybe, maybe not even. That's still like um, full time reliever level. Yeah, he had. Oh no, no, not even close. Thirty two point two innings, but still, yeah. I still I stand it's by still my point. Still lar- large enough sample size, but yeah, yeah. could get some. You know, if he switches to his cutter, could get more innings. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, question time. My question. Um, I, I I went a little more creative with this one. In 2022, free agent additions Javier Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez had a 93 OPS plus and 93 ERA plus, <laughs> respectively. That's cool. Who has the higher number in their respected league-adjusted category this season? Okay, so league adjustments are not going to be, or ballpark adjustments are not going to be friendly to Erod. They are going to be friendly to Javier Baez because Comerica is very pitcher friendly. Um, and I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Baez. I think he's gonna make the adjustment better than he did the other year before. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go Javier Baez. All right, sounds good. My question. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that Comerica is adjusting its outfield dimensions. It's bringing the center field fence ten feet in. Uh, it's lowering the sense. wall. It's lowering the walls in center field, right center, and right field. Uh, and in the last two seasons, 2021 and 2022 respectively, Comerica has had the lowest home run to fly ball ratio of every of every ballpark in the majors. Will that stay the same this year, despite the dimension changes? That's a good question. You got to think about its competitors. Yes. Well, Comerica, it's raining defending, but uh, at holding balls in. But you know, Oakland is always, always one to keep a baseball in. San Francisco as well. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> interesting question. Um, with high home run to fly ball ratio, because it does depend basically on. I mean, you know, the the Tigers aren't one to hit a lot of home runs. In general, they and uh, but their mm-hmm. opponents, I don't know. I'll say, uh, <clears throat> I say they keep the crown because okay. I don't know, it gets it gets it's cold in Detroit, yeah, it'll hold the baseball in. So, I, I say they keep the crown despite despite the the construction crew trying to take away what's rightfully theirs. <laughs> I say Comerica keeps the home run. We need the 415-foot to center field flyouts yeah. to stay. 
it makes the Mike Napoli <laughs> home run look even way cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he hit it over the, the tree that one time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Tigers, Tigers are interesting. They, I mean, not to get too deep into them, but they had so many disappointments last year. They like Austin Meadows hit zero home runs. Javier Baez. He's and, uh, back and doing better this year. Yeah, Baez and uh, Rodriguez, massive disappointments. Uh, Spencer Torkelson was not what he was supposed to be in his rookie year. Riley Green didn't look too bad. He had a 99 OPS plus. Yeah, he was all right. He he, There's reason to believe he can do better. Yeah. Uh, but he also didn't do awful, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. So now we move on to the Minnesota Twins, who went 78 and 84 and finished third in the AL Central. They lost Luis Arise, Gio Urshela, Gary Sanchez, Chris Archer, Michael Fulmer, Dylan Bundy, and Miguel Sano. They added Pablo Lopez, Christian Vasquez, Joey Gallo, Willie Castro, and Derek Rodriguez. Uh, who is your play to watch from Minnesota? Uh well, they also lost Carlos Correa and then got him back. Yes. <laughs> Multiple times they lost Carlos <laughs> they Correa. Did, they did do that. Um, they lost Yeah, they lost Correa twice and, and then added him. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Um, I think we know who my Twins player is. Of course, I seized the opportunity I saw, and I took Jose Miranda oh, yeah, yeah. as my Twins <laughs> player to watch. Pitchers that throw sinkers against them are helpless. Among the 1,302 hitters to have at least 50 plate appearances end on any pitch... Miranda's 6.1 RV100 against sinkers is the second highest. That means for every 100 sinkers he was thrown, he produced about six runs. He hit 362 against sinkers with a 609 slugging percentage and a 480 WOBA. Needless to say, he hits them nonstop. Miranda had a 41% ground ball rate against sinkers last year. This ranked the 19th lowest among the 195 hitters with at least 50 batted balls against sinkers. He looked at the thing you're supposed to do against sinkers, and he said no to it. Miranda also had a 300 average on pitches on the inner third of the strike zone. He slugged 571 on them, and he had a 366 Woba on pitches, again, on the inner third of the strike zone. You do not want to meet him inside. <laughs> Jose Miranda is going to have another solid year for the Twins. He'll be back. Yeah, he really blew us all away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at the I'm on Spotify. I know. I know exactly what song you're looking at too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Shout out to Lynn Manuel Miranda's cousin, yes. Jose Miranda. <laughs> um Yeah, he's actually really good. <laughs> um my player to watch, um just by looking at his stats, you can see he hasn't been good the last couple of years, but I'm doing I'm doing a I'm doing a sequel on this <laughs> shift guys. Yeah. I'm talking about Max Kepler. Uh he is someone who could b- benefit greatly from the lack of shift in 2023. Uh last year he hit 227 but had a 266 expected batting average. He slugged 348 but had a 412 expected slugging. Uh in the last 2 years Max Kepler has been shifted against 89.6% of the time. And on 276 pulled balls by Kepler since the start of 2021, he has been expected to have a 358 batting average, but instead is hitting 269 on those batted balls. So it's about, I think it's an 89 point difference on uh, batted balls that Max Kepler pulls. Um, <clears throat> out of 118 batters to pull 250 plus batted balls in the last two years, 
Kepler has had the unluckiest difference in batting average and expected batting average. And on 150 pulled ground balls in the last two years, Kepler is hitting 100, a flat 100 on 150 pulled ground balls. Uh, Out of 89 hitters to pull 150 plus grounders in the last two years, Kepler's batting average on those grounders is second lowest. Uh, League average on ground balls is about 241 and Kepler's batting average on ground balls is like 140 points below that. Uh, Another reason to look out for Kepler is other offensive improvements he's made. He dropped his strikeout rate 4.8 percentage points from 2021 to 2022, which was the lowest strikeout rate of his career. He also dropped his pop-up rate 3.8 percentage points from 2021 to 2022. And that was the lowest pop-up rate of his career. And uh, he also dropped his whiff rate 3.1 percentage points. Defensively, he's excellent. Defensively, he had the sixth most outs above average for outfielders in 2022. And he's had the sixth most uh, outs above average for outfielders since the stat started in 2016. So not only was he great defensively last year, he's been great his entire career uh, defensively. And now that the shift is going away, there's opportunity for him to get more hits and uh, be an even bigger contributor to the Minnesota Twins. Uh, what were you laughing at when you were? You were uh, a future question. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is uh? What is not your, even not even my Twins question. What is your Twins question? Uh, my Twins question: Buy or sell? Joe Ryan gets Cy Young votes this year. Buy or sell? Joe Ryan gets Cy Young votes. Um, he had. Well, like a low threes, upper two ZRA last year. I think he had, uh, I want to say it was like high threes. High threes. Um, yeah, it might be tough. He's he's not... Um, 355. He, he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. His, lo- his walk rate's very low. He had 9.2 strikeouts per nine last year. Yeah. Is, he, not like otherworldly, sli- but... Slightly above average, yeah. Um, I say sell. Okay. I think he's good, but I don't yeah. think he'll get Cy Young votes this year. Fair enough. Um, my, my question's about a different, um, twins pitcher. Uh, since the start of 2020, Pablo Lopez has a three, five, two ERA. Will he raise or lower that mark this year? Three, five, two. He's been kind of up and down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he has been. He's going to be going from the NL East to the AL Central. I think that will probably benefit him. Mm-hmm. So I'll say he lowers it. Nice. Yeah. That would be good for the Twins. I think the the ballpark factor won't be too extreme. I think Lone Depot Park and Target Field are relatively similar. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean he'll be facing the Twins and Royals or the Twins, the Tigers and Royals, pretty consistently. Fair. Um, you know the White Sox and Guardians offense. We don't exactly know what to expect from them. Right. Um, I guess I mean I guess he is facing them less than he was facing the divisional opponents last year. It's another thing to factor in. True, true. <laughs> He's only facing them like max four times a year. True, yeah. Each. But still, I don't yeah. know. I think it's worth taking into consideration. Yeah, I mean, Sonny Gray is a guy who went from a different team, came to the Twins, and saw improvement. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I maybe I'll go into it more during the predictions episode, but I'm curious what Tyler Molle has in store for the Twins yeah, this year. Yeah, he's a free agent after this year, I believe. Yeah, he's. You know, he was the guy where like, oh, he got traded from the Reds. He's gonna do better, and then he, he. I Same with he, Sonny Gray, even. Yeah, but but Gray actually did better. Yeah. Male, I think he, but I think he had four starts and then like got injured, so can't really rely too much on the data there. 
But anyway, he did indeed make exactly four starts. Yeah. And he gave up 2.2. How, how many of the starts were in Minnesota? Because he gave up 2.2 home runs per nine. I don't know. I don't know how many were in Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, two of them. Two of them. And he gave up three home runs to the Blue Jays. Fair. To I be mean, fair, he gave up three home runs in one game. That's much of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and then if you the if you Jays. take out that start and look at the other three, uh, he had a 3.48 ERA with a 3.89 FIP. Nice. It's not great, not bad. Well, yeah, we'll we'll see what it's like in a full season. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was a good trade last year, and I still do. Yeah. We'll see about it. Um, moving on to the next team, the Chicago White Sox. Uh, they were a big disappointment last year. They went 81-81, and 81, finished second in the AL Central. Over the offseason, they lost Jose Abreu, uh, most notably, also A.J. Pollock, Vince Velasquez, Danny Mendick, and Adam Engel. They added... Andrew Benintendi, Victor Reyes, Mike Clevenger, temporarily, I don't know what yeah. they're going to do with him, uh, Jake Marisnik, and Hanser Alberto. And I will start, for, for the White Sox, I will start with my player to watch, who is really like a beer league softball player. It's Jake Berger. <laughs> um, he is not a projected starter, but could fill in at DH, first base, or third base. Um, in 183 plate appearances last year, he hit 250 with a 760 OPS. His average exit velocity was 90.7 miles per hour, uh, which was in the top 16% of hitters with 100-plus batted balls last year. His barrel rate was 14.9%, which was in the top 5% of uh, hitters with 100-plus batted balls last year. Against lefties, Jake Berger was phenomenal. He hit 326, slugged 651, and had a 1039 OPS against lefties in 2022. Out of 393 hitters with 45-plus plate appearances against lefties last year, his slugging ranked 7th and OPS ranked 8th out of 393. Uh, Also against lefties, he had a 28.6% barrel rate. Wow. Out of 407 hitters with 25-plus batted balls against lefties last year, Berger had the highest barrel rate against lefties. Um, So what I'll say about that is... The projected starting first baseman for the White Sox is Andrew Vaughn, who is a righty, so you would assume that's not really a platoon option for Jake Berger. However, Andrew Vaughn did worse against lefties than he did with righties last year, Um, so there is a potential platoon option because Vaughn does better against righties than he does lefties, and Berger obviously does way better against lefties than he does against righties. So, um, yeah, who knows? That could be an option. Also, if a corner infielder gets injured... Um, Berger is a good guy to replace replace them, but he he provides hitting barrels, not too much else, but he he hits the ball really well. Yeah. Um, who is your player to watch? My player to watch is a pitcher. I'm talking about Michael Kopech. Uh, mm. His issue last year was finding the strike zone. Eleven point or sorry, nineteen point seven percent of total pitches he threw last year ended in game day zone eleven, which means it was up and in to, I think, righties. I think it was up and into righties. Uh, it's up. Yeah, it's up and into righties, I believe. Anyway, that is the highest rate of any season in the StatCast era among the 763 seasons where a pitcher threw at least 200 pitches total. Uh, so he's got to get it, you know, get the ball down a little bit. Um, but there are some things he did well. Kopech had a 35.3% fly ball rate last year. That was the fourth highest among the 184 pitchers with at least 200 batted balls allowed. 
Uh, opponents hit 189 off of fly balls against Kopech, the seventh lowest on that list, the same list of 184. Uh, they slugged 631, which obviously it's fly balls. You can't expect a perfectly good slugging percentage, but uh, that 631 is well below the league average of 798. Um, he did lose two and a half miles per hour off his fastball between 2021 and 22, uh, but his fastball does have 98th percentile spin, so you know it still has something on it. So I think it'll be very interesting to see Kopech try to succeed in the majors in a way unlike the way he succeeded in the minors. Yep, yep, yeah. Kopech, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Kopech has been kind of like always a name. He popped off in the. Red Sox system was mm-hmm. obviously part of the Chris Sale trade. Um, made a name off of high fastball velocity, but yeah, he's had to make some adjustments. Yeah, he's, he's already had a Tommy John surgery in his career. Um, so yeah, he's always a guy we've been kind of waiting on. So, I mean, it, it'll it'll come probably. Yeah. He's still in his mid-20s, I think. Um, now it's question time. My question uh, is about two guys who two pitchers who kind of had down years last year who will have the better ERA Lance Lynn or Lucas Giolito I'll go with Giolito he's in a he's in a contract year um I think there's reason to believe I mean he's younger you know I think he'll be I think he'll have the better ERA I don't really have much else to say there uh my question the White Sox have gone from 5th to 16th to 26th in team ISO over the last 3 seasons between 2020 and 2022 uh, of course, they have new management and new coaching staff in this year. Where, Which of those three numbers, 5th, 16th, 26th, will they be closest to in Team ISO this year? That's a good question. Matt, it depends a lot on, yeah, it depends on power. Um, I think a lot of that has had to do with like guys like Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert not really being very healthy. Um <clears throat> trying to think about their lineup they didn't really lose anyone or they lost jose abreu in the lineup that's Mm -hmm. that's their big blow that's tough and they added andrew benintendi who's not gonna you know he'll be good but he won't add to the he won't increase their iso yeah um so i'll say they're they're closer to 16th okay i think they'll be kind of average and now we move on to the last team the al central champions which we didn't really expect last year i think we both had them Fourth place, but to our defense, we said they weren't going to be a bad fourth place. Yeah. Not like the Tigers' fourth place with 66 wins. However, <laughs> we did uh, we did misjudge them, and we, we were kind of looking right through, like, July, and then they just... They started tur- winning games, They turned basically. up. They won 24 of their last 30 yeah. <laughs> and won the division. But we're talking about the Guardians. They went 92-70 and 70 last year, won the AL Central, Beat the Rays in the wild card round and lost to the Yankees in the ALDS over the offseason. Not a lot of action. They lost Owen Miller, Luke Maley, Oscar Mercado, and Austin Hedges. And they added Josh Bell and Mike Zanino. Um, who is your uh, Guardians player to watch? So my Guardians player to watch is Tristan McKenzie. A mm-hmm. uh, little bit of more high-profile name, but I mean, I think it's someone who should get recognition. TJ McKenzie's brother. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, from July 1st through the end of last season, he led the American League in F-War. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. From July through the end of the season, he led the American League in F-War. Before July, he had the fourth worst F-War in the majors among qualifiers. Uh, the main reason for that change was because his home runs per nine went from 1.79 to 0.73. He reduced it by a full home run per inning. 
So how did that happen? During this time, his average exit velocity... Uh, sorry. During this time, his average exit velocity went from 90.9 miles per hour to 88.5 miles per hour. His launch angle went from 21 degrees to 18 degrees. His spin rate went from 2250 to 2270. I promise that's not a significant enough change to suspect any cheating, but that's very good. His fly ball rate went from 36.8% to 28.7%. His pop-up rate went from 8.5% to 11.1%, and lastly, his barrel rate went from 12.1% to 7.9%. Tristan McKenzie did an excellent job of limiting the damage and giving up better contact in the second half of the season, and that's why he was the best pitcher in the American League during that time. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, Tristan McKenzie, <clears throat> he, yeah, he had a great um, 2020, and he kind of hit the hay a little bit in 2021 and then resurged last year. And he's a good guy to have, you know, one of those like guys in the Cleveland system that was just churned out and made to do well. And he's doing well right now, which is good. Uh, on the younger side, I think he's like 26 or 27. Uh, so that's good. I am with my player to watch. I am talking about another pitcher, but a guy who has not seen any major league action. And I don't know how much major league action he's going to see this year. But I put him down anyway because he intrigued me. I'm talking about Daniel Espino, who is a 2019 first-round draft pick, 22-year-old right-handed pitcher, and a consensus top 25 prospect in baseball. He's also the top Guardians prospect, according to MLB.com. Uh, he's faced some injury problems, but in 133 and two-thirds career minor league innings, he has a 40.9% strikeout rate and a 31.1% strikeout minus walk rate. Uh, MLB.com gives him an 80 grade fastball and a 70 grade slider. If you don't know how the, the, the grades work, it's 20 through 80. I don't know. It's just how it's been in scouting forever. <laughs> so it's 80 out of 80 for, uh, for his fastball. Uh, they say his fastball operates at 95 to 98 miles per hour, but tops out at 103 miles per hour. So, you know, Espino's a guy, you could see him in triple digits a few times in a game. Uh, never a bad thing. And uh, Daniel Espino, uh, you know, not too much analysis you can do, especially given he only has minor league experience. He can't go to baseball savant for him. But uh, he could come up this year, help the rotation. Uh, the rotation beyond Bieber and McKenzie isn't too crazy. Especially if this team's going to be competing in the playoffs. Right. Like you can't have Cal Quantrill in games one and four again. Yeah, like... Or one and five. You got... Yeah, it's like Quantrill, Savali, Zach Plezak. You know, Daniel Espino has the potential to be better than all of them, like, now. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland was 16th in starter FIP last year, and that includes Bieber and McKenzie. Uh, so, not great beyond those two. Um, so yeah, Daniel Espino is my Guardians player to watch, although Excellent. I don't know how much time he'll get in the MLB this year. But yeah. Who knows? I've had, I've, I've whiffed on guys on minor league prospects <laughs> yeah, that just, Davis. Who, who just don't get a single appearance in the MLB. Logan Gilbert, year. 2020. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my question, which is more likely Jose Ramirez puts up the kind of season that we've seen from him year in and year out and he gets the recognition he deserves. Or Miles Straw hits a home run. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Miles Straw hits a home run. 
Jose Ramirez is gonna have a six win season again. He's gonna he's gonna put together like thirty two homers and twenty one stolen bases, uh, and he'll get like seventh in the MVP vote. I so yeah, Miles Straw. Miles Straw will hit a home run. Miles Straw will hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> For context, he hit zero in 152 games played last year with almost 600 plate appearances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just a funny question. Um, my question is uh, about <clears throat> one of the best players on this team. Um, will Emmanuel Classe become the first pitcher ever with three consecutive seasons, with 60-plus innings and a sub-1-4 ERA. Wow, sub-1-4? It's a lot to ask. But he's done it twice in a row. Yeah, let's do it. Let's all see right. it. Let's see it. I'm, I'm buying it. I'm all in. Yeah, he's he's already teetering on best reliever in baseball. and uh, He's definitely best reliever in the AL. Definitely best reliever in the AL. Um yeah, so that does it for the uh, AL Central. Yes, it does. Um, and that does it for the 229th edition of Above, of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If uh, you are listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go to the YouTube channel. Check out um, all the digital content over there. It's called Above Replacement Radio. Likewise, if you're listening on YouTube... Uh, go to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify streams and subscribe to those. Um, along with that, follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris, at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow me on Instagram at Chris Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. Um, or actually, uh, we should talk. We're, uh, we're going to be talking about Next week, I forgot. The, the uh, AL West. The AL West. Yes. So, yeah, the um, Oakland Athletics. It's the Oakland A's. It's the... Ran- That's really it. Is the Rangers and Angels. Will they be good? Who knows? Nobody knows. No one actually knows. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. I'm just double-checking. Uh, and we hope to see you next week where, yeah, we will be talking about the American League West. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>